Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. It's good. The first service of the new year, it's going to be a fantastic time. I have a word. Listen, you know, I've been preaching for about 22 years, and, and I've preached a lot of first services coming out of, uh, of an old year to a new year. And, and typically how these message series go or these messages go after the, the, the new year has started is, is uh, we'll preach a message. Here, here are five things you can do to increase and give yourself better habits for the new year, right? Or, or here, is, here are these things. Here's how to rechange or here's how to rethink things. Here's how to change your thoughts life so that your your new year is going to be better. We could have called this thing 23 and me, right? We could have done something like that. But as we were spending time, as I was spending time praying about what to speak about this past uh, couple weeks, um, God has been giving me just all sorts of really cool ideas that that aren't for today. They're, they're message series that we're going to be putting together throughout this week. And as I was sitting down praying, I was like, all right, Lord, what is it? What's the verse, Lord? What is it that you want me to kind of kick off the new year? Uh, this is the first message. This is kind of setting the pace for the new year. What would it be, Lord, that you would have me to share uh, at the beginning of this year? And there was a scripture verse that came up in my heart that's so familiar. It's a very popular passage. No doubt you've seen it. You've heard it. You've quoted it. You've heard it preached. You've seen graphics all over social media proclaiming it, particularly going into this new year, right? And that verse is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3.20, and it says, and now I'm going to read you the King James because it gets me excited, right? Ephesians 3.20 in the King James says this. It says, I didn't give that to you. It says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Isn't that an exciting verse? Come on, church, isn't that an exciting verse? You, you start off a new year, and that's the kind of verse that you want preached to in the beginning of the new year. I want to know that as I go into 2023, my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I ask or even think. I, that's, a, that's a New Year verse, isn't it? And so you can preach it that way if you pull it completely out of context. If you read it out of context, you can make 23 about you, right? 23 and me, exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or even think. And we're going to use that verse, but we're going to read it in context. And, and as I was reading through this, I told Kim, as we were reading through, I said, man, this is a, a word that is on my heart. It's a challenge for me, but it's also a challenge for you guys. It's a challenge for me to pray this over my own life. It's a challenge for me and Kim to be praying it over your lives for this new year. This is going to be the prayer that we're praying over Journey Church, every single one of y'all. No, do y'all know that we pray for you guys? Do you know that? I know you guys pray for us. I've seen, I know, I've seen the text messages come through. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Are y'all still alive? You know, all these things that come through. I know you guys pray for us, but we pray for you as well. And this is going to be a passage of scripture we're going to look at that we're not just reading and unpacking today, but this is going to be the scripture that we will be praying over Journey Church in 2023. And it's found, come on, somebody. It's found in Ephesians 3, and we're going to start with verse 14. Let's go back to verse 14. And we're going to read here, and then we're going to unpack this over the next few moments. Someone said, Pastor Chris, what's your New Year's resolution this year? I said, which one do you want? She said, how about the one that says you end service on time? (laughs) No. So Ephesians 3, 14, (laughs) this is what it says. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. This is the Apostle Paul talking. 
He says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. He said, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Keep going. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you what, church? Trust in him. It says, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you what? Come on, let's keep going. Verse 18, it says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people what? As all God's people what? Should, right? How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Verse 19, and may you experience, y'all say experience. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Verse 20 says, and now, now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus and in Christ Jesus through all generations. How many generations, church? All generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is going to be the scripture that we're going to begin to unpack over the next few moments today. And it's going to be the scripture that I would encourage you to pray over yourself. And it's the scripture that I encourage you to pray over your church, your church. It's the scripture that Kim and I are praying over us this year. And it's the scripture that we're praying over Journey Church as well. So everybody's included in this. So let's go back to verse 14 real quick. Y'all awake this morning. I know it's New Year's Day. I know everybody had a late night, but thank you so much for being here. All right, verse 14. Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Now, anytime you come across a scripture right there, we're starting right there. When I think of all this, you know, when you think of all what? What is he talking about? You don't start something out by saying, when I think about all this and not know what he's thinking about, right? Not know what it's there for. And so if you go back, verses 1 through 13 tells us that Paul is excited to preach the mystery of God. Let me encourage you to go back and read that. He's excited to preach the mystery of God. And, and what is this mystery? It's God's plan from the beginning to include Gentiles, those are non-Jews, and Jews together in his body. That is the mystery that God had from the very beginning. You see, from the very beginning, this book is a very Jewish book. I was going to pick up my Bible, but I don't have my Bible, paper Bible in front of me. How many of y'all got a paper Bible? No one does. Somebody hold your phone. This book is a, right here, <laughs> the Bible. You go back and you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you know that the Bible is a very Jewish what? It's a very Jewish book. Right? A very Jewish book about very Jewish people, about very Jewish prophets who prophesy very Jewish prophecies, right? Who prophesy about a Messiah who's going to come, who, by the way, is what? Jewish. And then their idea and their mindset is that he's going to come, he's going to deliver the Jews. But, but plot twist, Paul said the great mystery of the church from the very beginning, the mystery of God from the very beginning, is not that God's going to be just a Jewish God, but that God is going to take his rightful place of being the God of everyone. That God has taken two and become one. He's made two and one. It says in Galatians that he's taken two and made one man. He's taken Jews and non-Jews and brought them together so that there is now one in the body of Christ, not Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in the body of Christ, right? We're one. 
And there's excitement there that he has. He's saying, when I think about this, I fall to my knees and pray. There's an excitement to see this reality manifested. The reality manifested that God has made to one. And it's the source of his joy. He even says, it's the joy. It's the thing that motivates me. In the, in the last verse, in verse 12, he says, even when I'm in chains. He said, it's the source that motivates me to endure hardship in chains. What? That everybody gets to play. That everybody gets to play. Isn't that good? That everybody gets to play. Have you been on a playground and watched kids play? When is it the most beautiful thing in the world? When they're all what? Playing together. When they're all playing together? Not when they start picking on one another. Come on. Isn't that frustrating? I have to admit I've been that dad before. I've been that dad before, a blueberry, bluebird gap farm. Is that what it is? Bluebird? Not blueberry, right? It's bluebird. Bluebird gap farm, right? I remember when my kid was real young, and I was that dad sitting on the sidelines watching my, my oldest son, Caden, play. He, how old was he? Three? Four? Maybe three? Two? Four? Five? Something like that? Sixteen? And so he was, he was right there on the playground. And he was playing with some kids, and some kids were starting to be mean to him. And I'm watching this from the sidelines, that these kids are being mean to him. I'm like, you see that? And Kim's like, yeah, babe, they're kids. I'm like, no, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something to that four-year-old. <laughs> and so I wish I was joking, but I walked right up to where Caden was at and stood right behind Caden, and the little four-year-old started being nice to Caden. <laughs> you proud of yourself, Pastor? Yes, I am. I didn't say I just stood there, right? Sidetrack. So what's the best part about watching kids play on the playgrounds when they all get to play together, when they're all playing together? And it's the joy that motivates Paul to be locked up in chains. I love you. I love you. I don't want to go to jail for you. (laughs) That's a serious thing. And Paul said, I don't care. Where I end up, I'm going to proclaim this beautiful gospel of inclusion to the entire world, even if it makes the people it's for so mad that they lock me up in jail. It's a joy set before me. It's very similar to what Rob preached a couple weeks ago when he talked on joy. He said that, remember in, in Hebrews 12, he said, it said, for the joy set before him, that is Jesus Christ, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Look, I preached that scripture. <laughs> right? But... But that's what he said, for the joy set before him. And that joy is the joy of knowing you. Right? The joy of knowing you. It's, it's knowing you. It's, it's seeing two become one. The inclusivity of the gospel is a game changer and a challenging proclamation. And why is that? Why is this gospel that provides so much joy that the Apostle Paul endured hardship, so much joy that, that Christ is willing to endure the cross, why is it? both beautiful and challenging. Why is that? Okay, so it's, it's beautiful because it includes everyone. Yeah. It's challenging because it includes everyone. Isn't that true? It's beautiful because it includes everyone, and it's challenging because it includes everyone. Right? It's because I don't get to determine who qualifies. I don't get to determine who qualifies. When people come to church and, and they say, oh, well, so-and-so goes to your church, or so-and-so goes, do you let so-and-so go to your church? Yes, we let so-and-so go to our church. Yes, why? Because the church is a place for messy people. 
and we're all messy. Me being the chief. I see, you said the CEO. Me being the chief. I'm a messy person. Paul said the same thing. Don't you know that? Paul said, listen, we all sin. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. Right? I'm glad we have messy people here. Amen? I'm very glad. Because where would I preach if not? Come on. I don't get to look at someone else's life and determine that they are just outside of God's grace or God's reach. And it shifts my perspective and drives me to prayer. See, the gospel is inclusive, as the scripture says, then the love of God declares, as Paul states, then change comes through encounter. And my prayer for 2023, for me, for Pastor Kim, and for our church, is that we encounter this love. That we encounter the power of this gospel that is so inclusive. And it should be your prayer as well. Do you have somebody you don't like? Come on. Let me just be, y'all want to be honest in church today? How many of y'all have somebody you know right now you don't like? Go ahead and put, yeah, you know you don't like them. Yeah. You know, and what is the greatest thing? I'm so proud of our church right now. Everybody put their hand up. Proud of you guys for not lying on the first service of the first day of the new year. We, we all have someone we don't like, but then what is the best thing for the person that we don't like? Pray, Jesus. Someone said the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Prayer, right? Or it's them encountering the very gospel that you encountered that changed your life, isn't it? Isn't it? It's the very gospel that changed your life. And so Paul goes on to say, he says, and when I think of all this, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. I pray to the Father. And in verse 15 it says, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. The creator of everything on heaven and on earth. Wait, 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 wait. We see Paul proclaiming something that we often miss. Who is the creator? Come on. Come on. God is the creator. And what, God, what has God created? Come on, what has God created? Everything. Every one. Ah. It's your fault. You came to church. The creator of heaven and earth, he's the creator God who's created everything in heaven and on earth. I love the way the New King James actually reads this verse. The New King James says it like this. It says, when I think of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father from whom, oh, this is so good. Can you bring the New King James up because I want them to see it. It's really there. Uh, let's go to verse 15. Look what it says. There it is. From whom the whole Come on, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is what? It said the whole, the whole what? The whole family. The whole family. Every single person is named after God, created by God, a part of this family, right? There will never be a person's eye you look into that does not bear the workmanship of his creator or her creator. 
oh, now you know why we're praying this over you guys. Now I know why I'm praying it over me. Every single person named after God. Just saying he is creator of everything in heaven and earth kind of broadens the focus. It kind of takes away some of the, the power from it. He's not talking about trees and mountains, church. He's not, he's not talking about trees and mountains. He's not talking about fish or seas. He's talking about people. And do you think that everyone in Ephesus got along with each other? Do you think they got along with each other? No. They didn't get along with each other. Do you think that all of them came together with smiles on their faces and sung kumbaya every single Sunday? No. Do you think that there wasn't some feelings about the Jews? There weren't feelings about the non-Jews? People are messy. People will always be messy. And Paul's heart was to see messy people be the church. But in being the church, there are things he goes on to tell them that he is praying for them about. This isn't just Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. Again, this is our prayer for you guys as well. Ephesians 3, go back. Let's look at the next verse. So we'll start with verse 14. It says, and when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, everyone, the family. In verse 16, it says, and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. How many of y'all need some power on the inside? Yeah. Yeah, do you know that everything on the outside is just a reflection of what's going on on the inside? Come on. You feel weak on the outside, chances are you're weak on the inside. It's important, right? That's why it's so important to eat healthy. Not trying to jump on that bandwagon, New Year's Day, woohoo, change. But that's why it's important to eat healthy. See, if you eat junk, <laughs> I said too soon. <laughs> if you eat junk, all the time, you're going to feel crappy on the outside. If you eat good and you put that on the inside, it builds your muscles. It strengthens your ligaments and your joints, your cartilage, all the other stuff. And that inside strength makes you strong outwardly. And so he goes on to say, I'm praying that from God's unlimited resources that he will empower you. With inner strength. That, that word empower right there is the Greek word dunamis. Do you all know what word we get from the Greek word dunamis? Come on. Dunamis sounds like dynamite. Dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from, the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is, is the power of God. And it's not a passive power. It's not a passive power. It's an explosive power. And, and, and this is what it says. It's an explosive power, but a particular type of power. It says it's a moral power, an excellence of soul. And so Paul says, I'm praying that the God who has included everybody, the family, the creator of the family, who bears his name, would strengthen you on the inside with a moral power and excellence of soul that you can come to a place where you can live, right, live in a place where your heart does not condemn you. 
In Timothy, it says, brothers, if, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And Paul's saying, my prayer for you is that you are so enraptured in God's love that you so encounter the love of God that your heart stops condemning you and you live with a power of excellence of soul and moral power. There's a difference between moral power and excellence of soul and moral superiority. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about moral superiority. I'm not talking about presenting yourself as though you got it all figured out and that you're better than someone else. That's not the power that we're talking about. It's not moral superiority. Some Christians feel that's their job. Some, you know why the world can't stand the church right now? It's not because they act like Jesus. It's because they don't. That's so true, isn't it? It's so true. Because we think that we're God's agents of moral superiority. And we're not. (laughs) Christians, not anyone here, not anybody watching or listening online later, but others, that's what they think. They think sometimes... It's about mere moral superiority, and it's not. This is personal. This Paul is praying, God, give them a moral power that is excellent for their soul, their inner being. So each of us, each of us fights something that has been etched or written on our hearts. Don't we? We all fight something that's been written on our hearts, right? A mentor of mine many, many years ago said, you know, uh, information plus strong emotions will write things on your heart, right? And our entire life are moments of information and moments of emotional responses, and, and, and we walk around with things that have been written on our hearts to actually shape and shift how we live life. I, I can remember being in third grade, Miss Triggs, she's dead now, so I can talk about Miss Triggs was over there at Hilton Elementary School in third grade, and I remember... <laughs> It's so funny. My kids go there now. And so walking in that school now, that's such a small school. But, you know, when you're a little kid, it's so huge, isn't it? And I remember standing outside this room that my daughter was actually in. And, and, and that's when, that was Mrs. Triggs' room. And I can, remember, I can almost see it. It's like, almost like a flashback of Mrs. Triggs sitting me outside of her, her room and telling me that I'm not good at math, that I probably would never be good at math. Yeah. And you know what that did? That was information plus strong emotion in that moment. And I began to believe that I must not be good at math. I'll never be good at math. Never. You know what? It was also the same place that Lisa S., because she's still alive, Lisa S. told me that Santa Claus died a long time ago. Third grade. Information plus emotion. Wrote something on my heart. I took you, didn't I? I took you right to the exact spot. I said, this is it right here. And she's like, what? And I said, this is where Lisa S. said that. Right here. And she's like, <laughs> she said, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. All is good. <laughs> but, but Paul is saying, I want you to provide this guy a power that counters 
these things that have been written on our hearts. Each of us, we fight something etched on our hearts, uh, and, and we need to be delivered from it. It could be all sorts of things. It could be our family of origin, our social environments, our religious environments, whatever it is. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that, that as you go forward, that you're encountering God, and he's able to get in there and, and, and rewrite some things for you. The power doesn't have to end. end. Paul says that he prays that this empowerment would come from God's glorious and unlimited resources. Your inner strength to live a Christ-like life doesn't rest on your supply or your willpower. Come on, it doesn't. It rests on the unending supply of God. Some of us, man, he, he can pour into us, and we fill up really quick. And then others of us, we pours into us, and we're kind of like, where's the leak at? Because it just goes and goes and goes forever. Like, God needs to pour a lot more into you. But it rests on his supply, which there's no end. This is his prayer. In verse 16, In 17, it says, and I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength, a moral, a moral strength, right? Uh, Inner strength through his spirit. And verse 17 says this, and then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And he says, and your roots will grow into, down into God's love and keep you strong. I, I had a problem with that scripture early on in my walk. It said, and, and God and Jesus will make his home in your heart when you trust him. And then the reason I had a problem with that was because I knew me. And some days I trusted Jesus and other days I did not trust Jesus. Anybody else in the room feel like that's the case? And so does that mean that one day Jesus is in my heart and the next day that I don't trust Jesus, Jesus is not in my heart? What is it talking about? that Jesus will make his home in your heart. What is that as we, as we trust him? To make his home means to, this is really good, to make his home means to dwell, to inhabit, but watch, to settle in. To settle in. You ever go to someone's house and you walk in and they got that good old southern hospitality and they say, hey, listen, take your shoes off and make yourself at, make yourself at home. You're in the house, but I want you to get comfortable. I want you to get comfortable. I want this place to become your place. I want this place to be just like your place. You come in and, and, and take a load off. Make yourself at home. And Paul says, I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. As you trust him. You see, as we hear the good news of Jesus Christ, the inclusive grace and the love of God, faith is awakened, and it tells Jesus, make yourself at home. And it's this encounter of the power of God that begins to shift things in my life, and I begin to act more Christ-like. To the more we allow Jesus to make his home in our hearts, the more our roots grow down into God's love and keeps us strong. The New King James puts it like this in verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in his love. What does it mean to be grounded in his love? What does it mean to be grounded? For your roots to go down deep. Uh, Stable. 
stable. It, it means like a tree. You know that the, the tree's strength is dependent upon its what? Its root system, right? The healthier the root system is, the healthier the tree is, right? The healthier the tree is. The more we allow Jesus to make his home in our hearts, the more our roots grow down into him. We are grounded in his love. And the storms of life can come. The winds will blow. And what keeps us standing is the root system that we've developed. And the same, the same is true for every one of us. What keeps us standing strong is our roots in God's love. It's interesting to me that the deeper our roots get in God's love, the stronger we are and the weaker we appear. Let me tell you what I mean. It seems like that would be the opposite. I mean, well, the stronger you appear. But no, it's the more weaker you will appear, right? That's what happens when we, our love grows deep into, down deep, our roots grow deep down into the love of God. We become stronger, but we appear weaker. And that is because love is self-sacrificial. Do you hear me? Love is self-sacrificial. When someone talks trash about you, love doesn't fight back and set the record straight on social media. When someone slaps you in the face, love turns to them the other cheek, right? When love doesn't, doesn't get even with its enemies, love what? Praise for his enemies. It's love, real love, can't be faked. Real love can't be faked. Paul said it like this in, in 1 Corinthians. 13, 1 through 3. A few more minutes. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says this. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, if I could take on the appearance of love, but he says, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising what? Gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed, listen, if I could come to the place where I outwardly looked like I was the best Christian in the world, but I lacked love, it's for nothing. I've gained nothing. This verse almost reads backwards. It could read like this. As our roots grow down deep into God's love, we trust him more. And the more we trust him, the more Christ gets settled into our hearts and our lives. So verse 17 says, and then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust him. Your roots grow down into God's deep and uh, God's love and keeps you strong. In verse 18, it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. It didn't just say, but you know, it says to understand it, right? The power to, to understand God's love. This phrase in the Greek means to lay hold of it with your mind, it means to lay hold of it with your mind, to comprehend, to understand. Not just give it mental assent, but to lay a hold of it with your, your mind in so much that it affects how you live your life. Right? So Paul says, as your roots grow down 
into God's love and keep you strong, I pray that your mind lays hold of how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. When Christ ascended to heaven, he told his disciples in Mark 16 and Mark 28, he said both those passages, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm going to act like y'all read the Bible. All creatures. Yeah, right? All peoples. All creatures. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all. It didn't say to some. It said to all. To those who love you and those who don't. To those who are for you and those who aren't. Go into all the world, the north, the south, the east, and the west, and proclaim the gospels. And he says, and I pray that you lay hold of in such a way the love of God and understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep, north, south, east, and west, God's love is. Is there anyone outside God's love? Is there anyone outside the reach of God's love? I want you to think about that question. It's not a trick question, but I want you to think about it before you answer it. Is there anybody that is outside the bounds of God's love, outside the reach of God's love, outside the reach of God's grace, even your worst enemy? No. No. No matter what you have done, God loves you. Oh, how we love that, don't we? How we love being reminded how God loves me. Isn't that right? God loves me. I love being reminded about that. Not so much about God loving you, but how God loves me. I'm happy that he loves you. Don't get me wrong. But how much he loves me. If I'm not careful, I'll forget that you're a me as well. Right? And that you're included as well. That God loves you no matter what you've done. I was at pastoring at one church who uh, was up in the sticks out past Toano in that area, and, uh, and and the pastor of the church had gotten a big had gotten a big banner, a massive, massive banner. When I say massive, I mean massive banner, and it was like one of those road signs, you know, those big bulletin boards, whatever. That's what I said, billboard. And so it was there, and. And it had really big, it said, God loves you no matter what you've done. You've seen that? God loves you no matter what you've done. Yes, Lord. That God loves you no matter what you've done. But that doesn't mean that there's a pass for previous actions. It doesn't mean that there is no accountability in areas of our lives where there needs to be accountability. See, knowing the love of God, listen, this is why it's so important, knowing the love of God, obtaining it, laying a hold of it with your mind in such a way that it begins to change the way you live your life is so critically important to you living a life of vulnerability. Knowing that God loves you, that God is for you, allows you, to be held accountable. It allows you not to ignore your past, but to be able to face your past, knowing that your past does not render you unfit for use. 
But you'll never be able to exhaust it. You'll never be able to exhaust the love of God. Verse 18 and 19, we're almost done. It says, and may you have the power to understand as God's people should how wide, how, how long, how high, how deep his love is, and may you experience the love of Christ. Now, notice he said, may you understand, lay a hold of in such a way that it changes the way you live your life. But he also says, I want you not only to know it, but I want you to experience it. I want you to have a tangible feeling that you get when you encounter God's love. I want it to do something in you that changes you. He says, may you experience the love of Christ. He said, though it is too great to fully understand. And then you will be made complete in all fullness of life and the power that comes from God. The, the word right there, experience, is the, is the Greek word gnosko. It's the Greek word gnosko, and it means to have an intimate working knowledge, an intimate working knowledge. It's the same word that John 8.32 references when Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what, church? Set you? Come on. You shall have an intimate working knowledge of the truth, and it'll set you free. It's the same word used in John 17.3 when Jesus said, and this is what eternal life is. It is that they know you. Gnosko, have an intimate working knowledge of you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. So there's a difference of between knowing of God or knowing of the love of God and knowing the love of God. I can know of it. I can have a mental ascent of it. I can preach on it. I can talk about it. But there's a difference between having a mental ascent and having a working knowledge. Knowing, knowing of and knowing the love of God brings a fullness of life. Verse 20 says, and now, here's that verse. Here we are. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. And glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. We can ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's the, the thing there. See, this is why you can't take the scripture out of context and make it a one scripture message that you preach people to and get them excited because everything about God doing exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think is attached to something very important. And do you know what it's attached to? The power that works within you. And do you know what the power that works within you is attached to? It is the infinite, unending Relentless love of God, not just for you, but for the whole world. Paul says as we, as we begin to understand the depths of God's love, as we begin to, to, hold on, to lay hold of the depths of God's love, as we see how high it is and how deep it is and how wide it is and how far it goes, as we begin to do that, nothing literally is impossible for God in our lives. Nothing. Hey, I want you to give this away to them. So moved and motivated by the love of God, I say, okay. Hey, I want you to go talk to that person over there. Okay. You can be like my friend I met in Food Line last night. I walked in the Food Line last night, and, dude, I was so convicted, and not even because he talked to me about Jesus, because he was so happy to see me. I'm pretty sure he was drunk, but he was so happy to see me. 
I swear to you. I told Kim when I got home, he walked up in the middle, like right in the, the walkway of Food Line. It's packed. Everybody's there for news. And he walks up and he goes, Mi amigo. And he reaches out and he like puts his hand out. And I was like, hey. And he said, happy new year. And I said, you too. And he said, mi amigo. I said, yes. He said, no. And he left. That dude was so happy. He was so happy. And you know what happened? It got me happy. I was like, why am I happy? Exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power of God's love working within us. It's attached to his love. And if we're not careful, we can put the cart before the horse. We can become so focused on the gift that we miss the giver. We can want the exceedingly and abundantly, but miss the one who exceeded in abundance with his love. And so like I said, every, every year, listen, every year, my wife, she prays. Some of you are like, that's good that she prays. But she does. She she prays for a word from God. And and I've just been doing ministry for a really long time to see a lot of people get kooky with their words, right? Like, my word from this year is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, you know? And that's the word God gave me. That's not been the case with Kim. I've watched Kim pray for these words every year. Like, God, what is the word that's going to kind of sum up this year? And he drops these words in her heart. And I've been able, I've had a front row seat to watch how every year, man, it lines up with what she's, she, she experiences, what she goes through, what she grows through. And so I don't, I don't like going, God, give me a word for my year. It doesn't stop God from saying, here's your word for the year. Like every time. <laughs> Kim's like, what's your word? I ain't got it. It's, it's growth. Growth is my word this year. And so this year it was funny because a couple weeks ago I told Kim, I said, man, I really, there's this word that is just rattling around in my heart this year. And, and that word is relationships. It is relationships. and relation, It's just rattling, rattling around. And I have my word before her, so... I am more spiritual than she is this year. <laughs> um, so, so my word is relationships, and it makes perfect sense. So he drops this word on relationships on my heart, and as I'm beginning to pray about, Lord, what's the first message of the year? He drops Ephesians 3.20 or Ephesians 3.14 through 21, and it's talking about this unifying, this pulling together, this uniting of the body of Christ, the relationships that are built in this. I get to know about the love of God in my life. I get to pray and experience that between me and God. That's relationship. And I get to pray for every single one of you all throughout this year. God, give them moments where they will encounter your love. Love, the height, the depth, the, 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 the width, and, the, and the, all the other stuff. It goes along with that <laughs> of the love of God. The compass is there somewhere, right? Lord, I pray that they're experiencing that. And I pray that it becomes reality to them, that they're just not looking at it as this, this abstract thing. God so loved the world, but Lord, let that become a reality for them. God so loved you, right, that he gave his son. So that's the prayer that we're going to be praying over you guys this year. 
It's the prayer that you can be praying over yourselves. It's found in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. But before we wrap right here, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I am going to pray this over you, church, today. Those who are here in house, those who will watch and listen later on, I want you to listen as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. And I pray, Lord, for this church, for your church this morning. And Father, I thank you that you have brought everything, that you brought everyone together in heaven and earth. And Father, I pray that your glorious and unlimited resources, Lord, that they would empower us and give us inner strength. And Father, I pray that as our roots grow down into your love, that we would trust you more and that you would settle in and make yourself at home in our hearts. And Father, I pray that we come to understand day by day this year how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is for us. Father, I pray that we will not only understand, but I pray to come to have an intimate knowledge of your love. Father, I pray as we understand and as we know, we feel complete, lacking nothing. And Father, I thank you that in this knowledge and experience of your love, we will see you accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. And I thank you that you will get the glory from this and that generations will see it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. And that is it, guys. We will see you next week.